Welcome to the English Waffle. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the English Waffle, a podcast for learners of English to help you improve your listening skills by listening to real conversations. On this podcast, I talk about different topics with my co host, Owen. We give tips to learners about how to use grammar properly in spoken English. We have fun, we interview guests, and sometimes we play some music. The idea is that regular listening to English can be very beneficial to your English long term. But if you want dedicated English lessons to accompany your listening practice, you could consider trying out a one to one lesson with English Waffle. To find out more about this and also discover the quizzes, transcripts uh, uh, that accompany this podcast, go to englishwaffle.co.uk forward slash create account to find out more. This podcast is made possible for free to you by donations from our listeners. You can make a donation, however small or large, by visiting buymeacoffee.com forward slash English Waffle. English listening. And on to uh, this episode's conversation. Um, this is Owen here, and I'm just going to give you a quick introduction to uh, Mike and Robert's conversation. Um, they talk about business English and why it is primarily a non native English speaker activity. Um, they talk about accents, they talk about culture, communication, the importance of um, communication breakdown. Um, is it a social thing? Is it to do with general communication skills? How is it different from the language you use with your friends? They look at these questions and many more. And I'll be back at the end to just uh, conclude. But I think you find this is a really interesting conversation and I hope you enjoy it. Let's get waffling. English listening. So I guess we, we both have a like a, an interest uh, and a, like a curiosity about what business English means and like uh you know both from a teacher's point of view but also for students who might be listening to this what does what is what do we mean by business english and right. what are the different options available out there for students and like yeah i mean i guess for me just maybe to sort of frame it and then we can yes we can sort of discuss um things from there but i guess business english is a big umbrella term for a mixture of like everyday general English um, and then with kind of one element of language knowledge which is to say you need to know a certain few terms and um, you know specific terms according to your industry that you're in and then the other side of it is the the communication skills that go alongside business English, which is to say telephoning, emailing, uh, presenting to a group or to, to your colleagues. So it's quite a big kind of umbrella term. And I think, yeah, that, that would be how I would say, like describe what it is. Uh, right. I mean, that's right. It's so huge in terms of possibilities right so what is business english and i could only speak for my experience here in france and the vast majority of my clients 
work in companies where they are either American companies or companies that are perhaps uh, European based, but not necessarily French based. And that from time to time, there will be meetings, let's say at least once a year, there will be, let's say, a big gathering. And that's when the American president will speak and there'll be you know, people from other countries that uh, will be present if it's an international. And these moments are, are moments of great stress uh, for the mm. client, for my clients. Mm. And so they, they, on a daily basis, will communicate mostly by email. And there, there's not much stress because, first of all, the tools that exist, the translating tools that exist these days are pretty incredible. Uh, I use DeepL. That's D-E-E-P-L.com. It, it stands for deep learning. Uh, DeepL.com is amazing. Uh, it's better than Google Translate. It's an open source. Uh, you just So a lot of my clients will use that. It's not great for learning, let's say, uh, how to write an email, but it's just practical. Uh, and it's a tool that, right, so... So, so that's like instant translating. I, I want to email. I want to write an email in a foreign language. I'll use that tool to translate it for me. Like exactly. machine, machine translation. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, and, and so, and so for emails, no one, no, none of my clients are stressing out over it. Right. There's no pain point. There's no fear, but when it, but, but when they meet once a year and just to, to talk and mingle with other you know, of their coworkers is stressful um, because they're just not used to speaking. Uh, yeah, right. And, and that's, that's really where I would like to maybe explore a bit, a bit more. You've mentioned the word mingling. You've mentioned like meeting other colleagues who, whose English would be the shared language. Mm-hmm. For me, that perhaps of the, the ability to speak English and communicate clearly mm-hmm. is actually more important than learning a separate sort of like idea of business English, which right. carries a certain sort of mystique to it. And it carries a certain like, um, you know, stress of its own, actually, because yeah. people, you know, I don't know business English. I don't know. I've got to learn all this new stuff. Right. And actually, maybe when we strip it down is kind of what we want students to, to be able to do is to is to express their ideas in the clearest and simplest way possible. That that for me is business English right there. Right. Like, in other words, it's just English. Like it's just English. English. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, but I, I don't know if you would, what, what, you know, would you agree with that? Would you, would you, would you elaborate on that? Like, what's, yeah. what's I mean, I agree with that to a certain point. Like, yes, uh, if they're mingling and they're talking with coworkers uh, and they're just using small talk, you know, they're getting to know each other, then that's just general English. You're right. But then, then there's the, the part where you might talk, you might use numbers, you know, you might, you might talk about the company's sales last year or market share last year versus this year. And once you do that, once you get into numbers, I know for me, for my French students, they're translating in their head, right? From French to English. And, and it's not easy for them. They often make mistakes with numbers 
and numbers for me, well, that's, that's, I mean, that's a big part of business English, you know, is to be able to communicate numbers, right? That is business, right? So that is a, that is a key. I mean, you could still, you can study numbers and how to express them without it being business English, you know, but, but being able to express numbers, I think is a key uh, part of, of business English. Sure. Um, because you go as well from everyday numbers, like can I have one, two, three, four, five? You're talking right. percentages and and, right. and and bigger numbers, right? Like numbers. Yeah, fifty-three million six hundred thirty-five thousand five hundred eighty-two. You know. Uh, of course. Right. Uh, and and also, I would say um, a lot of the a lot of these professionals that need business English do have to present something at one point or another and that's another pain point and major opportunity i think for them to and and it is a soft skill right i mean if you if you tell that same french student a uh, french client or whatever to to present in french they will also be stressed right that there is there is a skill called you know how to like presenting is a skill and and that's a lot of people don't you know, necessarily have that skill either. Right. But, but you double it, you double the fear when it's, when it when you have to present in a language other than your, your own. Right. Absolutely. So for me, a key component of teaching business English is teaching uh, the real skill of how to, how to give a presentation, which is definitely teachable uh, and is definitely a skill that, um, you know, more people should should know how to do, you know, because once you master a skill like presenting, then opportunities just, you know, be, present themselves. Yeah. yeah, that is an interesting. I think what I find interesting as well about this topic of business English is that I, 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 I've written down a statistic here, which is that 80 percent of all business communication takes place without any native speaker in the room. That's the global, that's like worldwide. Worldwide, English every day. You've got Indians talking to Russians in English. Yes. You've got Mongolians talking to French in English. Right. So, you know, I think we, again, kind of wrap it up as being like this business English has to be a different language altogether. It doesn't. It's just going back to being able to communicate in English. Right, right. Absolutely. Um, but I like I like uh, having a label that kind of differentiates, you know, regular English to business English, because I think there is an English where, you know, it's useful for traveling, for example, and meeting new people. And then there is like a professional type English where you have to kind of act and behave in a certain way and and definitely master certain skills like numbers. Um I think this is where it gets interesting. For me, I really think this is where it gets interesting. How different do we have to behave in terms of the way we communicate in a business environment? Mm. And, 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 you know, I, I, I'll use this example of somebody who uses very complicated business terminology in a meeting. In English, could be they could be native English, and people are looking at them, going, "I, I don't understand what you mean," because <laughs> you've just come out with just jargon or uh, uh, terminology just to make them sound quite clever, right? You know? right. And um, I find that very interesting because, 
for your native for your not for your person who's learning english they right. can get worried about this thing that have to appear very uh, articulate and academic and business like mm-hmm. maybe not maybe just be yourself i don't know yes, I, I, I agree like, you know? <laughs> well i agree and and th- that's an interesting point because i've also been thinking about this in terms of uh teaching english you know should we be should I be continuing to teach business English or should I teach skills like communication skills mm-hmm. in English? That just happens to be in English. That kind of does both. You know, I've kind of tested that a little bit last week. I had a group of entrepreneurs. I teach entrepreneurs uh, business English. Mm-hmm. Um, but really what I did was I taught them the skill of networking on LinkedIn. Uh, and so we got really practical. We looked at their profiles. We, we basically just discussed in English. And I think they even forgot that they were speaking in English. Yeah. Uh, we were just learning a new skill. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's a very useful way. I think uh, of teaching business English. Absolutely. Like, so focusing perhaps on the, um, on the skill, know, on the skill and also culture, like, and I'm, what I mean by culture, rather than like thinking of culture as being a country, Culture being this idea of a company's culture and the culture of individuals like employees. So like Facebook culture is very, very different from Wall Street culture or like the way they communicate is going to be very different. Um, And so I, I find that an interesting space to look at like intercultural, the way we, the way we um, communicate in English according to the function of what we're trying to do. Uh, yes, yes, and that's an excellent point. And that's that's how we approach teaching business English here anyway at English for Life is that we will get really practical. You know, in other words, like, okay, we don't just have a program where now it's, mo- you know, module one is numbers, module two is like, you know, meetings. It's not that. It's, it's what is your specific need? For example, uh, we have a French company who has um, a satellite company in Poland. And so they have developers in Poland, developers in France, and they have daily meetings together. I was contacted because there are some things that are just lost in the translation between the two. Mm. Uh, Can you give us an example? Something that's lost in translation? Well, I mean, you know, they both have different accents. And so um, they're not sure to always understand each other. I, I would the, the in general the poles the Polish people have a better proficiency uh, in English than the French, uh, and so the the French will feel a little um, maybe self conscious and think that oh their 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 English is better than mine and and so there's a lot of psychology at play you know there's a lot of that right. Um, there's a lot of fear of making mistakes, which is odd because like you said, 80% of the conversations being had around the world are not even with native people, they're with non-natives. I mean, if you think of exactly that, like I think if you think of tourism, you know, all of the touristic interactions that are happening, uh, 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 let's say in Paris, the Eiffel Tower, 
French people are talking in English to Chinese people. <laughs> you know, you are, <laughs> that's right. but that's what's actually happening. That's right. Um, and, and so it's it's non-English people talking to non-English people in English. That that's basically what's happening. That's right. It's fascinating. It's mm-hmm. fascinating. And 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 oh, another. It's fascinating because, for example, my clients again, the French will. They, they will often mock each other for their accents, for having a French accent. Whereas, whereas it's, it's interesting because the French accent has been voted, okay, the Italian accent was number one, but number two is the French in terms of Eng, you know, English speakers with a French accent voted the sexiest accent in the world was France, okay? Is that right? Yes, yes, yes. So the rest of the world love the French accent. They think it's, it's beautiful, intriguing, but the French themselves do not like their own accent, mm. you know, but really the problem is not the accent. The problem is just a misunderstanding, right? If you, if you mispronounce a word and the other person does not understand it, you know, that that's where there could be a problem, right? But yes, absolutely. I mean, that absolutely like accent i think people become very obsessed and self-conscious about their their accent reduction they want to have a softened accent which means you get books on how to soften your accent how to eliminate your accent Mm um yeah it's an interesting space isn't it because you do want to be understood for example i was on a phone call uh to my internet provider yesterday I have some issues uh, around uh, my Wi-Fi speed and the employee at Virgin Media, the internet company, it happened to be Indian and his accent was super strong, like really thick. Now, I lived in, in Saudi Arabia as a kid and I grew up with a lot of Indian speaking English around me. I, I, I you know, it's okay. something I'm very familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, my partner, though, she was actually the account holder, so she needed to provide some details on the call. And she, her first language is Polish, admittedly, but she she speaks very, very good English. She works in English, so her English is very proficient. Yeah. But she was looking at me like with this puzzled, like, what what is he saying? What is he saying? And, right. right. You know, that was... Uh, what that, advice do you have uh, for students wanting to... Re- Wanting to be better understood, let's say. Welcome to the... Okay, uh, listeners, I'm going to try and do my best to summarise a pretty wide-ranging conversation. Wide-ranging and interesting. So interesting, in fact, they they talked for quite a while. So we we have split this conversation into two parts. And you'll be able to listen to the next part in a couple of weeks' time. Um... So I'm just going to reflect on some of the things they talked about. But first, I need to tell you some exciting news um, about the English Waffle listening course, which we are currently developing. Um, The first one will be out soon. Um, It will be a course about listening um, and you will have video content, you have tips um, so look out for that. Um, it should be available sometime before Christmas. So um, keep
Keep listening to The English Ruffle and we'll tell you more about it next week. Um, I think it's clear from Mike and Robert's conversation that this is uh, not a, uh, a simple uh, topic to, to talk about. There are lots of things involved. But um, essentially, I think um, they have uh, given us the idea, the message that business English is basically what professional people use um, and all the many facets of life that have some relation with uh, professional activity. So perhaps there's a misconception associated with the word business um, of people who work in skyscrapers and wear suits. Of course, not everybody who works in a business and not all businesses are related to uh, that stereotype of business. So uh, it's a far broader area than I think most people think of. Um, perhaps um, the the idea that um, business English or professional English is something that, that is far more common in countries outside countries like the UK, the US, Australia, places where you think, well, obviously, people speak business English in in those countries. Mike's statistic tells us otherwise, that, um, in fact, most of the conversations about business related to professional life are taking place between people who have English as an additional language. So... Um, the interesting thing here is that I didn't hear mention of English was a lingua franca, which is uh, kind of this um, version of English, which um, some people have studied and, and documented, uh, which kind of excludes in, in many, many ways those native English speaking countries where perhaps um, the use of English in many fields of, of life is a little bit different to what you hear perhaps in Europe between um, speakers of English from different European countries or for that matter in any part of the world um, where people are communicating with each other and they don't have another shared language. So the other thing they talk about is that, um, and I think I really like this this point, is that um, business English is not about strictly speaking, presentations, using the telephone, uh, the kind of language you get in meetings. And it's not necessarily about specific fields of activity, specific industries where you may have a specific vocabulary. A lot of it is quite general. It's related to general English. Um, but the key thing is that it should be specific to um, the people who are learning the language. What do they need? Um, they need practice in the real situations they actually have to use the language. I think Robert emphasizes that point really well. Um, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Uh, I certainly did. And um, please let us know what you thought of the conversation. Go to the English Waffle website uh, at englishwaffle.co.uk. Go to the contact us section, send us a message and tell us what you think. Don't forget, you can listen to the second half of Mike and Robert's conversation about business English uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Keep waffling. Welcome to the English Waffle, where we'll talk about random stuff. We'll take you on a journey where you'll find out soon enough. 
They're listening to the waffle is an entertaining way of sharing with you foreigners the things that British people say. Woo! So join us on the waffle and strap yourselves in for ten whole earth in minutes of English listening.